Father, this morning we just come to you. As we come to the ministry of the word, Father, I pray your spirit will anoint us to hear what you have to teach us, what you have to speak to us, so that, oh Father, the word would cleanse us. Jesus, 2,000 years ago when your disciples followed you and listened to your teaching, you said you are clean because of the word. And I pray, Father, this morning, even in your house, there will be a cleansing, a supernatural cleansing by your word, O oh God, so that when we come to your table, it will be a set of cleansed people who will sit at your table, Lord, and partake of the emblems, the symbols of your body and your blood that was shed for us, O oh Master, that we would be truly able to spiritually experience, O oh Lord, the food, the manna, the bread that has come from heaven. Speak to us, teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. As we continue our study. Remember, we've been looking at the devices of the enemy. There are four fundamental things which every child of God believer has to be strong in and grow stronger. One, we need to know God, the person of God through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, if you know me, you have known the Father. So we can know the Father only through Christ. We need to know the person of Jesus Christ. We need to know the Word of God, the Bible. Because if we don't know God, we just become a follower of the religion called Christianity. Okay, Christianity, which has no power. Christianity has power because of Christ. You take Christ out, Christianity is just another religion. So we need to know God through Christ and we need to know the word of God so that when people come and say, I think God is speaking to me, where is it written? That what you say aligns with the word of God so that people are not deceived by voices that sounds so similar to the voice of God, God has given his word written. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 is given us the word. Continue to read, continue to meditate, continue to learn from the word of God. So God, his word. Third, we need to really continue to ask God. I need to know myself. There's a guy who said, I don't know which man said, if I had the difference of what you think you are and what you think, what you think you are and what you really is, I could live off it for the rest of my life. Israel will think we are cat's whiskers. They walk like that for centuries. God says, Jacob, you worm. You are not destroyed. Only because of my mercy. Okay? We need to really know who are. Because don't keep saying, I'm following my heart. You'll see so many preachers talking about following your heart. When Bible says the heart is, heart is, say deceitful. Heart is, above all things. Wow. That's incredible, right? My heart, your heart is deceitful above all things. That's why salvation, the beginning of salvation is with a new heart. That doesn't mean the old heart has gone away. Okay? Hasn't gone away. Kill it each day. So know God, 
know his word, keep learning about self, and know your enemy. If you don't know your enemy and his tactics, we are already lost in the battle. We cannot fight this battle and win this battle without knowing the enemy. So we'll continue to, today is a kind of tough teaching session, okay? So, tune your ears. The greatest danger to God's people, that's the church, the living church, especially in the last days, is not persecution, but deception. Persecution is from outside. And in almost all cases for 2,000 years, God has used persecution both for Israel and for the church to refine the church, to purify the church. He has used persecution to refine and make the church as he wants her to be. So the greatest danger the church faces in the last day especially is not persecution. Remember the church in Smyrna, the book of Revelation? Christ refused to pull them out of the fires of persecution. Instead, actually told them, stay in the persecution. You can see that in Revelation chapter 2. Stay in the persecution and be faithful unto them. I know your works. Tribulation, poverty, and you are rich. He says, you are poor. Tribulation will always bring poverty. Because your property, everything will be taken away by the system and by the mobs. I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, but spiritually he says you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those they say are Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. You will have tribulation 10 days. He's not talking about 10 days in 10 days. It's a long period of time. He says you're not going to come out of it. Be faithful until death, meaning Many of you are going to die in prison. Many of you will die in this tribulation. But remain faithful. God says, no, I'm not going to take you out. Okay? So remember, the greatest danger the church faces is never persecution. We feel sorry for the persecuted church. But we don't realize they are sorry for us. Because actually when a pastor went to the underground church in Korea and he looked at them and he wanted to pray for them, they told him, do not pray for us looking at our condition. We actually pray for you. We've been refined in this fire and we know our God. We pray for you that you will know your God. We heard the God through you. But you have forgotten the God who brought you out. So, Understand. That's why when it comes to all the warnings of Jesus about the last days, Jesus will warn. In Matthew 24, there are the Olivet Discourse. He sat at the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And the Jews answered and said to Jesus, sorry, answered and said to them, take heed, no one and they're talking about the last days, his first warning and continuous warning is take heed, nobody deceives you. How will this happen? Verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Like I said, the greatest danger the church faces from within, not from outside, from within is deception. False prophets will arise and they will 
deceive you. And in verse 24, false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders today. Why do they so great? What is the need to show these great signs and wonders to deceive? How do they deceive with great signs and wonders? Their word, doctrine is a lie. But people who do not know the word of God will get fooled by the power ministry and God says beware, even the elect, even the very elect, yes you are part of the elect, you are chosen, but God says be very careful, even the elect, if they are not founded strong in the word of God, will get deceived because they see the signs and confuse it with the apostolic signs, which was given to confirm the word. The devil will use same similar signs to deceive people from the word. Well, God used signs and wonders to confirm the word that was preached through the apostles. So Rome, it is a double-edged sword before which many, many will fall. Persecution from outside and deception from inside. Persecution from outside, deception from inside. Remember, thousands and thousands of children of Judah were brought to Babylon. Those who were brought to Babylon and given the best facilities had escaped the sword of persecution, but history says they could not handle the deception of Babylon and assimilated into Babylon. Only a remnant came out. What the sword could not destroy, what persecution could not destroy, deception did. We hear only four names in the book of Daniel. In one generation we hear four names. But hundreds of them were brought. The rest were deceived by the ideology, ideologies and they bowed before those ideologies and those gods and they disappeared. So God, Paul, God through Apostle Paul specifically keeps warning the churches, be very, very, very clear. Be very, very careful. In Timothy he will say, now the spirit expressly says that. Now let me ask you, if you were to, go, if you have the money, and if you have to go from point A to point B, would you go by an ordinary bus or an express bus? Would you pick a passenger train or an express train? You want an ordinary delivery or express delivery? Did you see? The spirit See, God uses words to bring to us the importance of certain matters. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. How do these spirits deceive? They deceive with false doctrine. Doctrines of demons. Demons have theology. They're smart. Please understand when Isaiah and Ezekiel speaks about the devil, he's called perfect in wisdom. He's smart beyond understanding. That's why God says, be wise as a serpent. Don't be crooked like him. Be wise. He's got wisdom which God gave him. He was made perfect in wisdom until pride, sin, was iniquity was found in him. So you need to realize they will use false doctrine, doctrine of demons. This is fundamental. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You know what is that? You know, you, you burn and you have a burn mark, really deep burn and it heals. You touch, there is no feeling. 
There is no feeling anymore. What does it mean? These false apostles who will come as servants of Christ will walk around and they will do all and they will treat false doctrine and they won't be even a prick of conscience in their conscience anymore. They will lie to the congregation with open eyes, with all absolutely no conscience inside. So he said, be careful. The consciences have been seared with an hot iron. And they speak lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, hypocrites are double. They pretend to be servants of God, but they are preaching the doctrines of demons. So God says, be very, very careful. That's why when the church began 2,000 years ago, 2,000, the church began, when they heard the word, they received it, they repented, they believed, and they got baptized. First set of people, they came out, they got baptized. When they got baptized, what the apostles did first in Acts chapter 2 said, they continued steadfastly, okay, like expressly, note words. You have to be steadfast in what? First is what? Apostles' doctrine. The first is that. The first thing they did with the church was grounded them in doctrine. It's the first thing they did. Apostles' doctrine. This is important. We don't realize the importance of doctrine. Doctrines are fundamental truths of how the kingdom of God functions. How God works. It's about the ways of God. They are not flexible. Doctrines are not flexible. They cannot be changed. So when the church, the infancy, when the church gathers or when people come in, the first thing you teach them is the inflexible ways of God. These don't change. These are foundational truths of how God's kingdom works. So the primary fundamental doctrines, remember the six ones in Hebrews 6, remember? First is what? Repentance from? Dead works. That's the first one. First one. And we constantly have to keep repenting from works which are dead. There's no life in it. But we won't stop it. Why? Because we are habituated to it. I'm not saying they're bad works. They may be good works, but there is no life in it at all. It's just practice. It's no life in it at all. It's just practice. We do it by practice. But God says, everything that I do, everything that Christ does through you and me, there is life in it. Repentance from dead works. Those are primary. So there is this foundational doctrine of repentance. You cannot take it away. And you look at most of the preachers and evangelistic crusades and all, they never preach repentance. They just say, repeat after me. What they preach before a crusade is a miracle. And then they ask people to repeat a salvation prayer. There's no conviction. So the foundation stone which they are laying in the life of a person itself is wrong because the first thing of doctrine is a doctrine from repentance of, from dead works and then faith towards God. That's second. What should we do? Peter said, repeat a prayer after me. He said, repent. John the Baptist began his sermon. What did he say? Repent. When Jesus began, what did he say? Repent. When Peter began, what did he say? Repent. When Paul preached, what did he say? Repent. That's foundational doctrine. You take that foundational doctrine of repentance away, your salvation is not sure. 
It's not sure. We're building on false, false, uh, false foundations. Okay, that's why doctrine is foundational. So when Jesus came and started preaching, they were astonished. In Matthew 7, scripture says, so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. KJV will say astonished at his doctrine. Doctrine is basically teaching. They were stunned. There are hundreds of teachers around. But when he came and taught, they were stunned not by his eloquence, not stunned by his signs and wonders, not stunned by the volume of his voice, not stunned by him jumping up and down. That's how people preachers do. They were stunned by his doctrine. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, the apostles start teaching. The high priest and the ruling class is so mad, they call them and said, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. They understood doctrine very well. They refused to accept it. They knew that if we accept your doctrine, then we are guilty of his death. If you accept the doctrine of repentance, you and I are guilty of Jesus' death. That was the rage of the Jewish community, the leadership. So doctrines are fundamental truths of how the kingdom of God functions. And they are not flexible, like I said. Because these doctrines establish the righteousness of God. Therefore, when the doctrine of demons come through false prophets and pastors and teachers, and they they take all these positions and they teach, they change the doctrine of Christ. That's how the church gets deceived. That scripture says at the last days there will be so much with power and signs and wonders if you know which did not happen in the previous centuries. This is reserved for the last days. The devil will empower his his disciples with power. So they will preach with signs and wonders so that even the elect will be confused if they are not sure. Okay? So, understand, our doctrine is false. The righteousness of Christ is not getting established in our lives. And the kingdom of God is, is righteousness. It's based on righteousness. That is the fundamental way in which God functions and those ways will never pass away. The devil on the other hand, we know in the last days come, the Antichrist comes and the preparation for that, he what he does is he changes the laws. In Daniel 7.25 scripture says, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. What shall he speak? That's what you see, all celebrities, everybody speaking pompous words against Christ and his word. They are speaking very pompous. As the spirit of the Antichrist spreads around the world, even in Christian nations, you will see, their judges sit in courts, Supreme Court judges sit in courts around the world, and around the Christian nations, authorities, prime ministers, TV celebrities, Hollywood celebrities, all speak pompous words against Christ. And his word. And they persecute the saints of the most high. The one who are caught are the saints who are trying to stick to the truth. 
and shall intend to change times and the law. And the law. Okay. See, it's, they will, he will change the law. He will change it. He will change doctrine. He will change the law of the land so that if you are not firm in the doctrine of God, you will compromise. How did the churches in America compromise? And huge, huge denominations have accepted homosexuality as norm to the point they they ordain homosexual pastors and clergymen and bishops. How did that happen? How did it happen? Because they did not stand on doctrine. The doctrine is not flexible. Has God changed? No, he hasn't changed. He never changes. We have to change. Doctrine, another word for it is, is truth. By its very nature is unchangeable. Truth by its very nature is unchangeable. When Israel came out of Egypt and came to Mount Sinai, what God gave to them is the Ten Commandments. Every else is subsection A, subsection B. Some can be thrown away. Some doesn't apply. But Ten Commandments apply. Can you negotiate with that? It begins with, Thou shall have no other gods before me. And ends with, Thou shall not covet. It's not negotiable. It will be always the same forever and ever. You can't covet in heaven. Okay, I will not covet on earth when I go to heaven. No, you cannot. It will remain. Because what is true is true forever. That's the nature of truth. You cannot destroy truth. It is forever. That was fundamental to their existence as a nation. It was non-negotiable. When they tried to negotiate with the Ten Commandments, the nation was allowed to go into Captivity. God says, my name shall be hallowed even among my people. So I will hallow my name by sending my people into captivity. I will show you. Understand that. It doesn't change. That's why the apostles were very clear in the first days to focus on doctrine to establish the church. When you cross from a nation, one nation to another nation, there may be fundamental differences in how they function. And if you do not know how that nation you are crossing into functions, you can run into trouble with the laws of that nation. When we were born again, if you are born again, we are born again from the kingdom of darkness, this world, into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light. There is a fundamental difference in how these nations operate. Around, I don't know how many years back when I was 23, 24, finished my MA, applied to Bhutan, sent the handwritten, those days you don't even have typewriters, you know, send a handwritten application saying, I just finished, is there a vacancy? Those days you get what is called a wireless telegram. One week, not one week, a month or how one letter takes 30 days to reach those days. I get a letter. Report immediately, Thimpu, for interviews. Like, my results are not out, you know. Like, excited, booked my tickets, went over, went to the education center headquarters and had my interview and this thing. And then I get my, I realized I was selected. I was the only one who were called. Nobody was called. I was selected because there was one vacancy which had come. And I was, the director called me. 
Yeah, when I went back to join, I came back, went back to join, the director of education called me and I went into his office. I still remember because certain things which people, even Gentiles say, makes a lot of sense. He said, Mr. James, you're from India. Let me tell you about my nation. He said, in my country, power flows like the feathers of a rooster, top to down. In your country, power flows from bottom to up. Understand here, here, power flows from top to down. Meaning, you don't do stuff here the way you do in India. No strikes, no unions, no protests, nothing. This is a monarchy. The kingdom of God, power flows like feathers of a rooster, top down. Any sin you see in the Bible connected with families, David or anybody is forgiven. Murder is forgiven, adultery is forgiven, lying is forgiven, everything. Rebellion against the king is not forgiven. You are executed even if you are a king's son. Understand how laws work. Being a sinner, being a rebel are two different things. They are not the same. God loves sinners. God's face is hard against rebels. Satan was not a sinner. Satan was a rebel. So even though he was created as the the most magnificent creature who stood on the holy mountain, when he rebelled, God kicked him out. Kicked him out of heaven. So understand how systems work. So we get our doctrines clear how the kingdom of God works. Because the strength of a church is not seen in its numbers. It is not seen in its structures. It is not seen in the signs and wonders that take place in his name. It is seen in how true they are in obeying his word. To one of the smallest, weakest churches in the book of Revelation, into Philadelphia, he says in Revelation 3.8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. It's the only church with an open door in those seven churches. Open door through incredible trials that's coming upon the whole earth. A kind of a last day's church. He says, no one can shut it. No power on earth, no power in heaven. No power of darkness can shut the door that I'm opening for you. Why? You had very little strength. You didn't have strength. You didn't have name. You didn't have power. You didn't have money. You didn't have political influence. You had nothing. But... You kept my word. You kept my word. You stuck to doctrine. You kept my word. And you have not denied my name. You did not compromise. You did not deny my name. You hallowed my name. You hallowed my name. See, that's why he says, if you have to pray, pray first. Your name be hallowed. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. This is one church who took it literally and said we will do it. You see when Ezekiel is seen the vision. You remember the vision in Ezekiel 37, the valley of bones. When he sees that vision, he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold there were many, many in the open valley and they were all dry. God shows Ezekiel something about the state of a church. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. There's no hair, no skin, no flesh, no tendons. Everything is gone. What is left? Doctrine is left. 
So he can breathe life into a church where doctrine is still there. Where there is no doctrine, he can't breathe. What's the point in breathing into a church which has no bones? Skin and flesh comes back and they collapse when they start try to get up. This is what you see. He says, you have gone through it all, but they are very dry. The spirit has gone out of your doctrine. They are very dry. But the doctrine is still there. Doctrine is still there. Many, many, many of these denominations which survived for hundreds of years will not uh, survive the last days. They survived for hundreds of years. Though their bones were dry, the spirit had left, the bones were dry, they survived because the bones were still there. Now they won't survive because their bones have gone. They have changed their doctrines. Now they won't survive. So understand, for us to survive first, for God to bring a revival in a church, we're asking for revival. For God to bring a revival in somebody, at least let there be some bones. Something for him to breathe into. And the first prophecy you will see is to the bones. Verse 4 and 6, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones. If you are feeling like a dry bone today, oh dry bone, hear the word of the Lord. Oh dry bone, hear the word of the Lord. Church, I have seen this over. Yesterday also I had a meeting. I have seen this over and over again. Sometimes without knowing us, knowing me, never having heard anything, they call me for a meeting and when you go to the church, you realize they are not able to comprehend or listen to the word from the beginning till the end because there is no bones there. No bones there at all. Absolutely. No bones. I'm not talking about unsaved people outside. I'm talking about people who go with the name of Christianity. Churches that are not founded on truth, there will be nothing to prophesy about. When Paul writes to Timothy, and therefore the Holy Spirit to us, he uses a term. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 16, Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Take heed to yourself. Match your life with the doctrine you receive. Continue in them both. Constantly keep changing as you learn the doctrine of Christ. This way you will save both yourself and those who hear you. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. There are many elders in the church, but all of them are not involved in doctrine. One of the reasons God says many of you should not teach, should not teach, is because those who teach will be judged very strictly because anybody who tries to put a mantle of teaching in any format in the church, is passing doctrine without checking. That's why one of the reasons I sometimes shiver when I see your WhatsApp forwards because some of them are doctrines which you never tested out. I like it, but I look at it, oh my gosh, what has this person put in? Because it doesn't fit the standard of God's word. And somebody, because what this social media and television and internet is accountable to no one. 
accountable to no one. So you see, those people have no accountability. They pass something and some child sitting over there, oh wow, it's lovely, I'm going to walk in it. It may be absolutely false. That's why God says every teacher of the word will be judged very strictly on that day. Did you pass on false doctrine? In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, we saw that. Expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So doctrine. We need to be very sure, keep learning doctrine and adjusting our life to doctrine instead of picking doctrine that adjusts with our life. What we do is that, why do these people and the place will say they will go with itching ears and find teachers who will speak to what they want to hear? We should change our lives according to doctrine of Christ and not trying to find doctrine which will pacify, not crucify, pacify our flesh. Listen to Paul again when it comes to doctrine. Okay, listen to Paul. Paul is now writing to Timothy. Now he's writing to Titus. Listen to him again. In all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine. He says when it comes to doctrine, Timothy. When it comes to doctrine, Titus. When it comes to doctrine, every man of God who will follow me. He says, four fundamental principles, everybody who passes doctrine on. In your doctrine, let there be integrity. In your doctrine, let there be reverence. In your doctrine, let it be incorruptibility and sound speech that no, it, that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing to evil to say to you. He's when it comes to doctrine. If ever you become a teacher of the word of God, when it comes to doctrine, because everything we preach at one way or other is based on a doctrine of Christ. It fits into the character and the person of who God is. He says, let these four tests be there. Is there integrity? Is there reverence? Is there incorruptibility? Does it have sound speech that cannot be condemned? So what does that mean? First scripture says, you you and I, we need Integrity in doctrine. What does it mean? It means our doctrine must pass the test of scripture. The whole scripture. Preachers on television especially have their particular texts. And they have built their doctrine on one or two texts. It doesn't fit in with the whole scripture. So they will always avoid all the portions from scripture that doesn't fit in with their doctrine. And because people are biblically illiterate, and they love them being illiterate, like politicians in India love people being illiterate, so that when five years come, they can whip up their emotions and get them to vote and forget them after that. Preachers who are false love the congregation to be biblically illiterate. But they don't understand. It's fine, I can sell them my products. Old days they used to call them snake oil merchants. In your integrity, in your doctrine, let there be integrity. So when a preacher is very selective, everyone has to be healed. And if you are not walking in the healing, 
He doesn't know his scripture. He doesn't know his scripture. He doesn't know his scripture at all. This is from the devil. No, sir, it is not. Who told you? God told me. To whom? To Moses. I cannot speak. God says, who made you dumb? Who makes man dumb? Who makes man blind? Who makes man deaf? He said, I do. Your theology goes out of the window. The devil is not a creator of anything. God's sovereign hand is over everything. You see, that's the problem. And people walk in guilt. You know what? I am not healed because I don't have enough faith. I need to repent more. I need to confess more. They have gone through every checklist. They find nothing, but they're still not healed. Because they didn't look at all of scripture. Healing is there. Cases of not healing, both are there in the Bible. The most, the greatest healer in the Old Testament, Mr. Elisha, Prophet Elisha, died of an illness. There was anointing on his dead body to raise a dead person, but there was no anointing on him to heal his sickness. Same God. Same God. You know, don't walk in false guilt and condemnation because you don't understand doctrine. Because sometimes you might be binding and casting out demons when there are no demons. Integrity. Okay. Everyone has to prosper. Who said so? Did God say? Actually Jesus said the poor will be always there among you. What did he say? When the law was given about material prosperity, he said, in the law I am enshrining all these, they will be poor. So poor they will sell themselves to clear their debts after seven years, please let them off. When you are reaping, just leave the edges, let the poor fellow eat that. In God's promised land, which flows with milk and honey, there will be poor people. Okay, get your theology right, otherwise you will feel condemned. I haven't prospered, I believed, I claimed, I gave all my money to these TV preachers and nothing is coming. He promised me ten times, five times, seven times. I see him growing ten times, twenty times. Nothing is happening to me. God says, honey, where did you get your doctrine from? We need to have integrity about doctrine. Whole scripture. Let me ask you this question. Why was Joseph able to stand alone in Egypt? Because his doctrine was sound. Doctrine was sound. And he stood on the doctrine. Whoever taught him, he stood on that doctrine. Though he was surrounded by the doctrine of demons. Literally ideas and ideologies and doctrines of demons. Here is a slave, physically, standing there free. Why? All this demonic ideology is showing their power and their might and their money and their glory. This man is standing strong alone on his doctrine. And he cannot be compromised. Why was Daniel able to stand 70 years in Babylon? Because... His doctrine was sound. Why are people not able to stand in the pressures of the world? Because you know, the doctrine is not sound. Why was Saul not able to stand? 
Why was Samson not able to stand? Prophesied before birth. Angels came and declared his birth. Set apart from birth. Anointed of the Holy Spirit. And went kaput at the end. Why? Because he had everything going for him except one thing. What he needed to do, he did not do. He did not have foundations in doctrine. He thought because of all the things that were happening through him, God would change his way for him. God says, I don't do that for anybody. I don't do that. You change your ways for me. I don't change my ways for you. Only it can be one God at a time. There's only one God. Why was David able to fall and rise again? Because his doctrine was sound. I'm not saying if your doctrine is sound, you don't fall. If your doctrine is sound, when you fall, you will rise. Because you know the wrath of God. You also know the mercy of God for every sinner who repents. And you understand doctrine. So we have to be sound in faith. Then we must have soundness in our doctrine. We must have integrity in the doctrine that we believe and we receive and we walk in. So what is the second one? Reverence. Let's look at reverence. What does it mean to rever? To hold with utmost respect. Right? Does the doctrine that we receive breed more reverence for God, things of God, the house of God? Is it working in us? In Psalm 36, the psalmist says, An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor him. Whole list is given of what this man does in his heart and outside. The way he walks. For the reason, verse 1, there is no fear of God. That's the reason. What's the reason? There's no fear of God. Why do people sin and sin and sin and sin and never repent? And it doesn't bother them. Simple reason. Because there is no reverence. There's no fear of God before them. There's no reverence at all. The Holy Spirit understands the importance of doctrinal purity. When something is being established. When a church is being established. A nation is being established. So when Israel is being established. The laws are given. The first two people to die. Is the high priest's own sons. Because of irreverence. It's teaching them. The lessons you learn when something is being established. From by God is very hard. It is so that subsequent generations learn that lesson. It's a high priest's own son, Nadab and Abihu, who offers profane fire in the holy place, are immediately struck dead by God. And the high priest is told, don't even mourn for them. Don't even mourn for them. 
When the church begins in the new covenant, again you see the first two people to die in the church. Not because of persecution, because of God. Acts chapter 5, immediately she fell down at his feet. Who is that? Mrs. Safira. And that's already dead. Mrs. Safira. And breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by, buried her by her husband. So great reverence was restored in the church. The church was getting a little too familiar with God. To the point, a husband and a wife thought they could fool the Holy Spirit. Covetousness was dealt with an iron fist in the first church. And reverence was restored. You know, these things God deals because otherwise it will block the doctrine of God from being revealed. Doctrine is being set in Israel. Doctrine is being set in the church. And the two hindrances that came, God removed it so doctrine can continue to flow. And people will continue to receive. Today he doesn't do that. If he did that today, the pastor would be in jail. Because Safira's children will go and file a case in the police station. The pastor killed my mother. Though he may have nothing to do with it. Doctrine has been established. He doesn't judge those ways. Not that he won't. Extreme cases he does. But he doesn't. So we have to be very careful. What is that we believe? Third component is, go to Titus 2.7. Third component is incorruptibility. Let your doctrine be, what does incorruptible mean? What does corruptible mean? Scripture says in 1 Peter 1.18, you don't have to turn there, you and I were not redeemed by corruptible things like gold or silver, by the incorruptible blood of God's own son, Jesus Christ. Incorruptible. Everything in this world is corruptible. It will go. Heaven and earth will pass away. It's corruptible. But God's doctrine, His truth is incorruptible. So God says, your doctrine should be incorruptible. It should be immortal. It should be eternal. Why? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word is God. If the word is God, it is incorruptible. The preaching that you and I receive should be true yesterday, today, and even in heaven. And you put that test to some of the doctrines you hear today. Will this doctrine be there in heaven? Will it last in heaven? It should not be the latest fashion that passes away. What false teachers always do is they appeal to the emotions of people with very little scripture. You take some of the biggest names in in the Christian circuit today and you look at their sermon, one hour, one hour, thirty minutes, you will find three or four scriptures at the maximum. And they build around it and it doesn't sometimes tally. And you know what they need? To push this on to the people who are biblically illiterate when it comes to doctrine, they have props. They have lights. This thing at the back. 
they have this pianist sitting at the head. Every time he goes one notch, he goes... Can you imagine Jesus teaching his disciples like that? Does truth need props? Think about it. It should be decent because it's a house of God. But does it need props? Does it need psychedelic colors? That's mind blinding, right? It's mind washing. Does it need music at the background? Ask yourself this question. Why can't truth stand on its own? The only thing truth demands for the listener to receive is what Jesus said. He called his disciples to himself. He refused to teach the crowds. That's why every Sunday I say, come forward because unconsciously or consciously you are making a step towards being a student of the word of God. Because he refused to teach to the crowds. He only told the disciples, come. And when he saw the crowds, he always went to a higher place and the disciples followed him. He sat them down and he taught them. Because if you are not willing to move towards God, he cannot teach you his truths. Because people come for all kinds of things. Ultimately, that will not save you. No miracle will save you. It's a doctrine that will stand by you and for you and in you till the end. And God says, my church shall be built on that rock. And doctrinally, we need to be sound. It should not be something, if that's why you will see people running from meeting after meeting, because one new prophet has come and he's put his this thing, and they are running there to hear what is the latest. From there, they go next week to another. Do you need to go to so many places to learn doctrine? You know what scripture says in Psalm 108, 19 and verse 89? Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's forever settled in heaven. Doctrine is set. Nobody can change it. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And it doesn't matter who that man is. The church may say he, when he speaks, he speaks ex cathedra, that it is truth. But what he speaks contradicts the word of God. His word will fall to the ground and one day he will be judged for it. Because the word of the Lord stands forever. Ever. It will never change. It cannot change. Because it is immutable. It's incorruptible like God himself, what he speaks. He, there's no confusion with our God. He has no doubts about what I'm saying. Let me check it in my confidence. Nothing. When he speaks, it is truth. Because he is true. So scripture says, let your doctrine be incorruptible. So doctrine has to be incorruptible. What does that mean? It means what applied to Adam should be applicable to the last man too. If you eat of this tree, you shall die. Old covenant. The wages of sin is death. New covenant. It doesn't change. Salvation is through the blood of the Passover lamb. You believe and you confess, you are saved. Salvation is in the blood of God's own son. This is a symbol, therefore it has to be offered over and over. This is the substance offered once and for all. Nothing has changed. From shadow to reality. Because doctrine is incorruptible. If God judged sin in the Old Testament, He will judge sin in the New Testament too. But we don't confess and forsake. Don't change God. We need to change. So the question is, is our doctrine incorruptible? In Ephesians 4.14, Remember the problem? That we should no longer be children. 
వాట్ యు సేన్ తెలుగు పాప చిన్నపిల్ల trusting the word of god checking with the word of god and being established in doctrine do you remember about children we look last sunday on children like now we have in our church sunday school is there youth saturday is fourth saturday and then we have the adults right three categories we divide that is by physical age spiritual age we saw last sunday didn't we 1 john chapter 2 I write you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Three categories. Children what do they know? Fall, get up. Fall, get up. Fall, get up. Fall, get up. They never overcome the evil one. They have to live on mercy alone. So most of them their name should be mercy. Not grace. grace overcomes what is rom book of roman says sin should not have dominion over you because you are not under the law you are under grace so your name should not be mercy if you are overcoming it should be grace and if you are not overcoming your name should not be grace it should be mercy because that's all children know they don't know anything else the question is are we functioning as a spiritual child because you can be 70 years old and a spiritual child what does the child think the child fundamentally thinks what is in this for me when is daddy good to the child when your daddy tells her to do homework no chocolate ice cream whatever i ask you give me you are the best daddy in the world the minute you ask the child to do something difficult you are not so good you know that's a child spiritual child so they will go after every wind of doctrine which demands nothing from them and they will jump and they will dance and hallelujah everything will say that's israel apa israel are saro god where is army gone every took their tambourines they dancing hallelujah hallelujah little later there is no water why did you bring us here you brought us here to die where in their graves enough in egypt how did the tone change so much because they were children Look at our own hearts. What are we? How do we react to situations? Are we spiritual children? Are we young men? Young women? Spiritually? What are we? Because there are so many overgrown children filling churches. That's why the name and claim gospel thrives. Why are those churches? But they will say, look at our sanctuary. It can feed 50,000 people. you going to break and build something bigger more and god has to say one day to that pastor foolish fellow don't you know your soul will be required today you have filled my barn with children who never grew because you wouldn't allow them to grow 
You gave them what they liked, not what they needed. That's our problem. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. You know our old song, right? Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. They cannot overcome the devil. The problem is to move from there to the next level of a youth. Spiritual youth, you have to overcome the devil. You have to overcome the unforgiveness in your heart and not mollycoddle it. The hatred, the bitterness, the lust, the jealousy, these are the enemies you are facing. And if you haven't overcome it, you are still a spiritual child. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're still fighting over petty things and raging and shaking and shouting and screaming and all. You know what? You haven't moved anywhere with all the knowledge you have. You are still a spiritual child. That's what God is saying. I need children to grow up. We know scripture very well. We talk about inheritance and all that scripture is very clear in Galatians 4, 1 and 2. A child as long as a child, though he's a heir to everything, he receives nothing. He's just like a slave. And so many children are going to enter into heaven, 70 years old, 80 years old, and realize, oh my gosh, I got nothing here. God says, I love you. Sit at my table, eat all the days of your life, but you get nothing. Because you never grew. I love you. You are my child. If I need to bottle feed you for the rest of eternity, I will do it. Ask Anisha, LHL, don't be bottle feed our children there. Yeah. What can they do? Nothing. We throw them out? No. They get better care than most other kids do. They carried for their bath. They clean when they wet their diapers. They fed through tubes. Their dress changed everything. They don't have to do anything at all. Because they'll be children all their lives. But they can do nothing for God either. Understand. Don't grow spiritually. You'll be caught in a trap. Children. Children. So the first thing you need to teach a child is obedience. Obedience is when a child is being taught that the will of the father is more important than your will. The first thing you teach a child, it's not mollycoddle, it's teach obedience. That's where the mother comes into play. Don't be a stumbling block, be an aid, a helpmate, and together teach obedience to the child. Otherwise it will not work. You don't have to wait 80 years for this. You could be 40 years old and be a father. Spiritual father. At 17, Joseph was a child. He hallowed his father's name. He was an obedient child. He loved his father, was zealous for his father's name. And whenever his brothers, elder brothers did something, he came and told his father about what they were messing up with his name. And his brothers hated him, wouldn't even talk to him. And God said, Joseph, child, you are ready to go to the next level. I am going to send you to those who hate you. Let me see whether you are ready to battle the powers of darkness. From there in chains he goes to Egypt. He fights every demon of Egypt and he wins. He wins. Jealousy, bitterness, anger, lust. Persecution, pain, abandonment, you name it all, every demon he overcomes in Egypt alone. At 30, God says, 
You are ready. You are ready to reign. Seven years of plenty. He's 37. Seven years of famine begins. Let us say for mathematics sake, one year of famine, two year of famine, three year of famine. How old is he? 40 years old, you will see Joseph on the throne. His father is here. His brothers are there. Their children are there. He's a father to his father and his elder brothers at 40. Understand what God is talking spiritually? Age has got nothing to do with just a number. Just a number. Just a number. He says, can I? I want fathers. You have to go through these stages for that doctrine has to be set in your life. And you stand because those doctrines are incorruptible. Incorruptible. They're immortal. Never changes. That's what God is talking about. How is our doctrine? How is our doctrine? And the fourth one, Titus 2.7. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. What does sound meaning? If I say, Samir, you are in sound health. Good health, perfect health, good health. That's what it means. Sound speech. Should have integrity, should have reverence, should have incorruptibility, and it should have sound. One of the fundamental qualities of a church should be that it should have sound doctrine. If you look at Titus and uh, uh, chapter 1, when it comes to leadership in the church, one of the this thing he says, one nine, holding fast the faithful word has is been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine, both exhort and convict those who contradict. One of the fundamental principles in the Bible for leadership, eldership in the, in the church is your doctrine should be sound. The danger that what the church has come to today is eldership has been taken by people whose doctrine is not only not sound, it is warped. Sound doctrine. That's what it means, sound. And second, listen to God speaking about Paul's ministry. When your doctrine is sound, you are both able to exhort and convict. You can exhort those who are searching for truth, come on, grow, grow, yes, yes, yes. And he's able to connect, yes, this is what I was waiting for. And those who are fighting it, you are able to contradict them because of soundness of your doctrine. Listen to Paul's journey described in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 17, he's in Thessalonica. Paul, has his custom was, went to them for three Sabbaths and what did he do? He reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. These are people who know scripture. He says, hey, hang on. Let's reason. Doctrine now. His doctrine was sound. He reasoned with them from scripture. Question is, if somebody comes to you, can he or he, she reason with you from scriptures? Do we have foundations of doctrine built, established so that we are able to, no, no, that is false. This is true. That is false. This, are we able to? Explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. He showed from scriptures. Sound doctrine. In Acts chapter 17, by 17, verse 17, he's in Thessalonica. From Thessalonica, he has reached Athens. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened. What did he do? He reasoned with them. This is not apologetics. 
It's a place. Apologetics is a different field. That's, that is, that is uh, a different thing. This is reasoning from scripture because your doctrine is sound. You can exhort or you can refute. By the time you come to Acts chapter 18 verse 4, he's in Corinth. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greek. Jews and Greeks. The soundness of the doctrine. Because these are a set of people who know their scriptures. How can you reason with people who don't know scriptures? You can sell anything. That's what is happening. Why are these ministries who don't have doctrine that will be never sold in any of the old churches, ancient churches, able to sell it so freely today? Because there's no reasoning. By the time it is verse 19, he is in Ephesus. He came to Ephesus, left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with them. Wherever he goes, he's reasoning with people. This is scripture. This is doctrine. Test my doctrine with your scripture. You know scripture, right? Okay. Did you understand scripture? Let me explain to you. And they listened to him. Hey, what this man says is true. In the Garden of Eden, third chapter, there's a lamb that is slain. Mount Jeriah, the lamb is substituted for Isaac. The Passover lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. Behold the lamb of God. This is true. This is true. He could reason. We know how in scripture, when doctrine comes, we will realize it makes sense. I always had this doubt. It makes sense. It fits in with, I had this picture. People come and say so many things, but I had a picture. That is not what I think God is. God and his doctrine doesn't fit. Then you hear this doctrine and you realize, yes, it fits. It fits. Then he is in chains. He is a prisoner. And he is brought before Felix. Chapter 24. He is before Felix. After some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who is Jewish. So because of his wife's influence, Felix knew scripture. He never believed it, never obeyed it, but he knew scripture because wife is Jewish. And he sent for Paul heard and concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control. It's good. He said, please, 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 please. Let me enjoy my life a little more. Go away. I don't want to hear. Do you see? A sound church may have very little strength, but they are faithful to the word and his name. God says, I keep an open door. Question is, can we handle sound doctrine? How many of you think you can handle sound doctrine? I'm not saying understand. I said handle. No. I don't understand a baby, but I can handle a baby. Whenever you say handle, yo, pastor is going to ask me questions. I didn't ask any question. I'm not asking. I'm just saying you can handle some sound doctrine today. If you read Titus in chapter 2, it is written sound doctrine for the church. That's actually the heading in many translations of the Bible. You will see sound. Chapter 2. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for. Now he's gone one step ahead. It should not only be sound doctrine. It should be proper for sound doctrine. What is the first one? Older men, 
Be sober. What is the first thing? If you don't have self-control, you can never receive doctrine. That's what sobriety means. Temperance, control. You need to have control. Are you old? You think you are old? Then do you have the control of your age? Be sober. Remember the last day's warning? End of all things are near. So the first, the first thing, be sober. Be temperate. Be balanced. Don't be extreme in either way. Be balanced. Sound in faith. And sound in love. And sound in... That's what I told you all. He says, that's how you know whether you are old or not. Am I sound in these things? Older men. Now let's go to the next category. Older women. I don't know why, but God gives three verses to women. One verse to men. Only thing he tells men is be sober. Okay? Older women, likewise, they should be all that the older man is. Plus, that they be reverent in their behavior. Be reverent in your behavior. It's fundamental to the woman, sound doctrine. Be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to too much wine. It's interesting, in the old days it is told the women not to drink. And today we tell the men not to drink. Too much wine. Teachers of good things. To whom? That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, not career women. So any of you left your career to take care of your home, you don't have to be ashamed. Your doctrine is sound. Your doctrine is sound. Homemaker, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? So that the word of God may not be blasphemed. The problem is when the Christian home goes and speaks about Christ, the Muslim and the Hindu says, look at my home and look at your home. Your Christ doctrine is practiced in my home. My man is sober. My woman is reverent. My children listen to me. You talk Christ. Your man is always drunk. Your woman never shows any respect. Your children are wild. Doctrine has to meet with Christ. The other side of the story is that the devil is only after living people, not dead. So therefore, if you have the name of Christ, the demons are after you to attack your marriage, to attack your children, to attack your destiny because he knows you got a name. That's the other side. But let us be practical about it. Do we have sound doctrine? Are we reverend? Scripture talks about the man in First Peter 3. It talks about be treat your wives with honor. But an addition is put there as a what does it mean? Let me put an example with you. You know, you see a child. A child is a weaker vessel. When a child throws a tantrum, do you throw a tantrum? Do you throw a tantrum? No, you don't throw a tantrum. You try to distract the child. Avoid the subject and before that, okay? In a similar way, God is actually saying, your wife is a weaker vessel. When she throws a tantrum, don't throw a tantrum in the same way. Show honor there as a weaker vessel. When she shouts two words, you don't have to shout three words back. Be sober. You can diffuse the situation. Be sober. 
Be sober. This is sound doctrine for homes. Be sober. To always take two hands to clap. One hand it's only hava. But the problem there is a lot of voice sounds coming from homes is both hands. Be sober. Walk away. Like David, be wise. Walk away. Is not there a cause? Yes. What is the cause? Cause your prayers are not hindered. Second, the word of God may be blessing. If your wife is shouting, open the door, walk, go for a walk. Why? So that in the eyes of the neighbors and the ears of the neighbors, the word of the Lord is not blasphemed. It's a cause bigger than you and me. Then come back when things are quiet and sort it out. We have issues. Issues can be dealt with without explosions and lava flowing and all that. Can handle it. Sound doctrine. This is sound doctrine. Absolutely sound doctrine. Bible says this is sound doctrine for older men, older women. Next, young women. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. He says, be sober, be self-controlled and watch the older men and walk that way. That's all. Very simple. Older men, go this way. Young men, be sober-minded. Observe them and walk. Older women, teach the younger women through your life and through your teaching. This is what they need to be. Young men, just be sober and follow. Then, verse 9. Exhort bond servants. Let's change this term, bond servants to employees. All working in the IT sector, when you give 24-7, you are a bond servant. You may name yourself manager, HR and all. You are a bond servant. Okay. They hire you, fire you. Old days, they sold you. They sell you today also. Who are you working for? I am working for Google, but I am a vendor with Microsoft. They sold you. It just sold you, okay? So let us, scripture is applicable for all ages because it is doctrine. Exhort employees to be obedient to their own bosses. To be well-pleasing in all things. Not, not, repeat that not, don't answer back. Don't answer back. Even if you're wrong, if you don't answer back, you will receive mercy because your doctrine is sound. Don't answer back. You don't have to, you don't have to fight for your rights as the rest of the world is doing. We are a set of people who have given up our rights and picked up our responsibilities. This is sound doctrine. Not pilfering. Not pilfering. When he pays you 500 rupees a day for 12 hours of your work, don't pilfer. Don't pilfer. What he's actually paying you for? is for the 12 hours of your life. 12 hours of your time. Don't pilfer. Because he's paid for it. Not pilfering. But showing all good fidelity, honesty, integrity. That they may adorn the door. Look at that. You come back in the workplace and God says, when you do these things, you're adorning the Doctrine of God, our Savior. You look back in the 70s, 80s and all. You look in the advertisement all from April, May, North India advertisement. One, Christian teachers, Christian teachers, Christian teachers, Christian. Do you see that today? Do you see that today? Why? Because they knew one thing in the 60s and 70s in North India, which is practically pagan, that Christian teachers have integrity and they are hardworking. Today I am waiting for the day when they start addressing Christians don't apply. 
We didn't realize this is part of doctrine. This is sound doctrine for older men, younger men. Older women, younger women. All employees. All employees. This is sound doctrine for the home and for outside. So doctrine is not knowing the stories of the Bible. It's not memorizing scripture, but understanding the ways of God. The man who prayed, show me thy ways. Remember, Moses at 80, prays one prayer, Lord, show me thy ways. When he's 120, one of his last messages to all mankind in KJV worship, in Deuteronomy 32, this is what he actually says. His final words to Israel and all of us, this man who walked with God. At 480, he prayed a prayer, Lord, show me thy ways. At 120, he says this. Give ear, O heaven, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. What is he saying? He's saying, I have come to that point in my life. I'm absolutely dead. It is Christ who is speaking. And my words is applicable equally to heaven and to earth. Earth, heaven. You can hear my word. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. As the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. You know what it means? Dew is absolutely pure. My speech shall distill as the dew. And the small rain upon the tent of the smallest little baby born again a few hours earlier in the Lord. That word will fall upon him so gently. My rain can fall upon the newborn baby and the father in the Lord. And it is relevant both for heaven and for earth. That's the lawgiver. That's the lawgiver. That's what this is. This is not just to be read and meditated and memorized. We learn the ways of God through this. That is doctrine. What is doctrine? This is how God functions. And if that's the God functions, and I'm of God, and I belong to God, and I've been bought with a price, I'm not my own, then this is the way I function. And I'm willing to pay any price for that because this is true. And therefore, even I die, I will not die. I will live because your word is true. I, My life is true. I am immortal. If not, we will keep struggling as children. And God will love us. He loves children. He loves all his children. If you're a child, you're a child. But you cannot move to the next stage. We don't get doctrine into our lives and start walking in that doctrine. We'll go to communion now. And at the end of the communion, let me see if I have time to finish. But let's go to communion. Remember, like I said, now if you understand the doctrine of God, it sets you free from persecution and from deception. Constantly watching. Watch, 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 Lord. I got you. Come. Worship team, come. Towns that made a crown Forgiveness falling down Wounds are our healing The earth began to move All of heaven knew Death was to free 
Exodus 29, 29 and verse 7. This is when the law is given, tabernacle is done, and God is setting the rules for the priests, drawn by the new covenant. All our priests should be priests. Positionally, yes. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. There were two things you had to do for the priests. One, you had to take the blood. The other, you had to take the oil. One, you and I are cleansed by the blood of Jesus that prepares us to serve God. The other is we are anointed by the Holy Spirit so that we have the power to serve Him. Let me tell you something about this. Listen carefully, church, then we will understand where our struggle is. In the Bible, these two things are different. There's something called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there is something which is called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The gift is given to somebody, whether you deserve it or not. When your birthday comes, they don't check your record. You just get your gift. Nobody takes it back from you. Just because you are a child. A gift of the Holy Spirit through practice, you can be extremely skilled with it. But the anointing is different. The anointing is a flow. While the gift is operating, the anointing can stop. The anointing can be blocked. That's why scripture constantly talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't test the Holy Spirit, don't lie to the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit, because that's not talking about the gift. That's talking about the anointing. And we need to understand this difference. Why doctrine is so important. It's so important because the anointing works on the doctrine. If I don't grow in doctrine, my anointing to understand even more doctrine will never come. I can get fooled if I have a gift. And because the gift is operating more and more, I may not realize the anointing has stopped. 
That's what happened to Samson. The, the gift was working. The gift was working. The gift was working. Saul also won many battles. But the anointing was gone. When David went into the Philistine territory for 16 months, he won every battle. He didn't lose a single battle, meaning the gift is operating, the anointing has stopped, he hasn't heard from God. Hasn't heard from God. People in the 21st century church who hear and receive different kinds of impartations, please understand, gift and anointing are not the same. We need to guard our anointing. We need to grow in our anointing. Because it is the anointing that will break the yoke. You can live under a yoke like Samson, do mighty things, and finally the yoke finishes you off. Because you forgo, you lost your anointing to break the yoke. Because your life was not founded on deeper and deeper doctrines of God. In Mark chapter 4, verse 10 and 12, when he was alone, those around him with 12 asked about the parable. He said to them, to you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Don't say immediately and say, I am in that. No, we are not in it. We are not in it. If we are in it, when you read your Bible, you will understand mysteries. Which are there, old, ancient, hidden, but revealed because the anointing is flowing. Because the anointing is flowing. You know what he says? What Jesus says concerning the last days in 1 John chapter 2. He says this. Little children it is the last hour and you have heard the Antichrist is coming. See Antichrist coming? If it is coming why are, why are people not concerned? Why are they putting their lives and homes in order instead of trying to run around and make more purchases and more business deals? Running still after money. If you know this is the hour and it's getting closer and closer, how come we are not aware of it? We know only in our head, we don't know in our heart. Why? Because something is missing, by which we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out and they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Let's go to the front. But you have an anointing, not a gift. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Have an anointing, an ongoing anointing from the Holy One. Therefore, you know all things. When I read the Bible, I want to know how God dealt with Adam. I want to know how God dealt with Abram. I want to know how God is dealing with me now. Not just yesterday. Because your word says, I am that I am. Not just I was. That's what scripture, in verse 26 and 27, the same chapter of scripture says, these things I have written you concerning those who try to deceive you. How do people dece- get deceived in the church? How do people get deceived in the church? Because, how do they not get deceived? Because the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, that is the flow of the Holy Spirit. That is what the high priest was anointed with. And a flow of the Holy Spirit, because out of the mouth of the priest shall come knowledge. And in Hosea he says, my people perish because of knowledge. Because you hated knowledge, I also Demote you from being priests. Meaning, if the anointing is not flowing, then I am not a priest. What makes me a priest? Not the blood. The blood makes me a son. 
What makes me the priest? It is only the anointing. And all of us function as priests in the body of Christ because we are not allowing anything to block their anointing. And men of God like David understood one sin can block. So they are constantly, constantly repenting to see that the anointing flows because we need that anointing to face today. Without anointing, we cannot function today. You go to places like in what you call China today, Sunday. You will see thousands upon thousands of churches packed with people, overground. What is that? Government sanctioned churches. No persecution there. You know why? Because there is no doctrine, there is no anointing. You will see tens and millions are gathering at this hour in underground churches. Why? There is doctrine, there is anointing flowing. Where there is no anointing, there is no persecution. Devil is not bothered. It's not bothered. He said, you go your way. And if something happens, it is collateral damage. It's not deliberate. The doctrine of Christ. The game changer you need to realize from this thing is the anointing, the Holy Spirit. Once our doctrine is right, it still does, it's not enough. We need the anointing because without that anointing, we can do nothing. We can learn nothing. We can be prepared for nothing. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. It's an ongoing anointing, ongoing hearing from the Spirit of God, the Word, every word that proceeds. Abraham heard from God in the hour of the Chaldeans. He listened, he obeyed, God stuck at Haran. He couldn't hear anymore because his father was blocking him. He wouldn't leave his father. So God says, fine, you wait. He had to wait till his father died to hear the voice that proceeded from the mouth of God. What if Terah had lived like Methuselah for 900 years? Abraham would have been finished. His destiny would have gone. He would have been stuck at Haran. You look what it means to hear every word, the anointing, the preceding voice of God. He comes into Canaan, he hears from God, fear comes, goes into Egypt, the voice stops, comes out, he hears from God, there is trouble, Lot and Abraham, there is trouble. Is there trouble? Like in homes there is trouble? What if Abraham has said, okay, in the, like in the old wild west, I'm going to hire ten gunmen, you also hire ten one, let us see who will have the estate. He realized, if I need to hear from God, if I need to hear God, to heck with the estate, I need to hear from God. He humbled himself, went to his lot and said, we are brothers, you take whichever you want, you go and I will go my way, you take first choice. The nephew took first choice and moved away. Scripture says, God spoke. If you keep fighting in homes, in colleges, universities and offices, the ongoing anointing of the Holy Spirit will stop. That's why God says, pursue peace. Because you need something which you don't know how badly you need it. How badly you need it. You go through Abraham because if God spoke to him that way and he is my father of faith, father of believers, then I need, I'm learning lessons from him. How he blocked the voice of God. And until he changed, Ishmael comes, God does not speak to him for 13 years. When Ishmael is 13 years old, God comes to him and speaks and says, circumcise. You leaned on your flesh, get rid of it, I will speak to you again. 
Oh, he loves Ishmael. Then God says, listen to your wife. You are not able to hear my voice because your emotions are tied up with this boy. I am speaking through your wife. Listen to her. Throw Ishmael out. When he is able to throw Ishmael out, he is able to hear from God again. Then God suddenly appears and speaks to him one day and says, take your son, your only son. Take your son, your only son. And he takes his son a three day journey. He goes up over there. It goes, he leaves the servants behind and he goes up the mountain. He ties the son up over there and he lifts his hand, lifts the knife. And what does scripture say? God spoke. What if he hadn't heard the voice of God? He would have killed Isaac. He would have killed his future. You have to keep on hearing the ongoing voice of God even in the small details of life because our God is living. He heard him three days earlier. He had to hear him three days later. Otherwise Isaac would have died. Oh, I heard I'm going to obey. Now I have got my doctrine right. Boom, gone your future. You didn't listen. That's why over and over and over again scripture says all those who have ears, let them hear. What the Spirit says. There's only one thing that blocks you and me from hearing from God. That scripture says our iniquities. That's why the first doctrine in the child, in the, in the Bible is repentance from dead works. That is a word, sir. When I kept silence, my bones. What is bones? Doctrine. He had sinned and he kept quiet. He says my doctrine is churning inside. I cannot live with this truth. I know I am wrong. And I am keeping quiet. I am restless. When you don't have doctrine, what bones will wax within you? When you don't have the truth of God, how do you get convicted of what you have done? This is when I kept quiet. My bones. My bones. Understand scripture from scripture. My bones. God should be able to speak to us. And when he speaks to us, if we keep silent, our bones should rattle inside. We should literally feel that pain in our bones, our doctrine that holds us. And that's when he repents. And if we are a people unlearned in scripture with no doctrine, understanding how God works, his kingdom works, we will go like sheep to slaughter. Understand? Get your doctrine right. Let me tell you this. God's word is not like the mail you send with an attachment. It's not. Because many, many Christians in their thousands, in their millions, are communist in their thinking. And Bible is an attachment. Millions upon millions of women, 21st century, sitting in the church, are feminist in their thinking, and the Bible is an attachment. God is nobody's attachment. His word stands on its own, and there can be no attachment to it. You cannot attach communism to, to it. You cannot attach feminism to it. You cannot attach humanism to it. You just have to think it stands on its own. He says, reason. Reason. Let me ask you this question. When you were all young, when we were young and you were not probably born, there were these nations called USSR. And there was the nation called China. And there was this nation called Cuba. Let me ask you, how many people from the world went to work in USSR? 
went to work in China, went to work in Cuba. Why? They couldn't afford to give you a job. So communism always failed. Why do you want to make this land into a communist nation? Did any communist nation ever give another person a job? So the ideology itself is a failure. It could not sustain their own people. It could not sustain somebody else. Yet we are very communist in our thinking. Very communist in our thinking. We don't realize in 21st century what is the reigning spirit is the spirit of feminism which is Jezebel in 21st century clothes. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's Jezebel. The rules. When Jezebel comes, along with comes Ahab. It go, they go together. Ahab is the emasculated man who has been compromised by sex with Jezebel offers. So all the young men in the world, multitudes have been compromised by porn and by sex. And they have no masculinity to stand up because they have been dehumanized. That's why Ahab had 70 sons. That's how she compromised him. These are ruling spirits. There are no attachments to the doctrine. Sound doctrine, no attachments. So men, if they have to be men, need to understand what the yoke is. Because only the anointing can break the yoke. Women need to know who women are. According to sound doctrine, then the anointing will break the yoke. If you don't know your yoke, how will you break it? Bible talks about yoke. The yoke of Egypt. The yoke of Bab- Babylon. Oh, the yoke of the deceiver. The deceiver came and stole my birthright. And he goes to his father and says, Father, don't you have another blessing for me? He says, he's taken. The devil has taken the birthright of God's people. Now, don't put it as Jacob as the devil. But it's a work of the devil. When God gives a blessing to a chosen person, he doesn't have to steal. He doesn't have to lie. He doesn't have to do anything. It will just come to him automatically if he just walks in the ways of God. But the devil is a thief and he's a deceiver. That's a yoke of deception. And that's his cry. Dad, don't you have anything for me? And you know what he says? Father says, you will live by the sword. You will live by the sword. And you will be restless. When you are restless enough, you will shake the yoke of him and you will walk free. Are you restless today? Are you restless today? Because only the anointing can break the yoke. You were not meant to serve another. You were meant to serve him. You were not meant to serve the deceiver. You were meant to serve the redeemer. But are you restless? That's what Isaac told you so. The day you are restless. The day you are restless. That's why Jesus said, Kingdom of God advances with violence. And the violence is it. You need to be restless. This is not what I was meant to be. This is not what I am. This is what I am. This is what I am. And I'm going to be spiritually restless. And I'm not going to let anything block this. And I'm going to rise up. And I'm going to take my destiny. For which Christ redeemed me. So that when I enter into his presence, it won't be with empty hands. 
And I say, Lord, you gave me, here I have multiplied it with your grace. It belongs to you. This morning, let's stand up. And let's get our doctrines in place, doctrine in place. And ask and check with the word of God. One final verse I will give you to chew on when you go. It's Jeremiah 23 verse 29. Sammy, you didn't shut down the computer, no? Okay. Is not my word like a fire? Says the Lord. And like a Word of God is like a fire, breaks down every idea, every ideology in your head, in your heart, in your mind. It doesn't matter how old it is, how many professors taught you. Let it work like a hammer and break it down and cleanse it with fire. So all that is left is the word of God and Christ himself. Nothing. Nothing else. So this morning, surrender, as scripture says, your body has a living sacrifice. Holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. That's our reasonable sacrifice. That's our reasonable, off, reasonable offering. And after that scripture says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world has many, many doctrines. Christ has only one. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. One doctrine. Let your mind be renewed starting today. Let our minds be renewed so that when we read scripture, the anointing teaches us. When we hear preaching, the anointing teaches us. And the anointing starts breaking the yokes in our life so that we will be set free to serve him, to walk with him, to worship him. Father, this morning we just come to you. We just worship you. We just glorify you, Lord. This is the fifth month. And I pray grace will overflow into every life that is represented here. Every life that hears this message is on the net, Lord. I pray grace will overflow because you came with grace upon grace, O God, so that we would not only receive forgiveness for our sins, O Father, we would receive power to be overcomers, O Lord. Children to young men, young men to fathers, children to young women, young women to mothers, O Lord, that we will be fathers and mothers after your own heart, O Lord, so that you can send the other orphans and the other broken ones so they can find refuge under our wings because we have stayed under your hand, O Lord. Oh, Father, I pray, out of this church will arise fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers, oh Lord, who will have sound doctrine in their heart and an unbroken flow of anointing from heaven itself, Lord, flowing through us, Father. Your word said, rivers of living water shall flow. Oh, Father, I pray, it will flow, breaking yokes, not only here, everywhere they go, Father. Oh, Father, yokes will be broken in their schools, in their colleges, in their offices, in their homes, every place they go, Lord. Let the river flow, Father, because only the anointing can set us free, Father. Oh, Father, we just glorify you, Lord. We just glorify you. We just glorify you. We just glorify you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Go before us. Go before us. We don't look at the weather warnings. We look at your word. Your word says our God is a shade at our right hand. Your word says he who finds shelter in the most high. Oh, Father, cover us with your feathers, O oh Lord. The sun shall not smite us by day, Lord. The sun, the moon shall not smite us by night, Lord. No power of darkness can prevail over your people, Lord. We are under the blood. We are under your wings. We are your children, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, go before us through this month, Lord. We need you. 
this fifth month we need you lord go before us that every path be made straight lord thank you father i bless your people in your name may the blessings of god pursue them and overtake them as they hear your voice and obey your commands oh lord thank you thank you father by faith we lift up holy hands now we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name thank you father thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever in jesus name we pray amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen